This is Nursing Australia, proudly brought to you by APNA, the Australian Primary Healthcare Nurses Association. This episode of Nursing Australia, episode 59, Behind the Screens, is brought to you by the LIFE program, a free Victorian lifestyle modification program that helps reduce your patient's risk of developing type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular disease. The program is delivered by accredited health professionals and helps people improve their eating habits, physical activity and stress management. There is financial incentive available for medical practices that refer into the program. The LIFE program is funded by the Victorian Government and managed by Diabetes Victoria. Visit lifeprogram.org.au for more information. Welcome to this episode of Nursing Australia. We are stepping behind the screens and discovering the latest in digital health, cybersecurity threats to you and me. And at the top of the show, an insider's guide to Australia's largest nursing event of 2023, bar none. Let's get straight into it. There's a lot to cover. Let's kick things off with the latest in healthcare news with Mitch Wall. As always, thank you for supporting us and thank you for listening to Nursing Australia. Record strike fine, staff shortages linked to death rate spike and cancer aged bias. This is Nursing Australia News. Hello, I'm Mitch Wall. The Union for Western Australia's nurses and midwives have received a record $350,000 fine for a strike outside state parliament last year. The strike attracted thousands of nurses at the height of a bitter dispute over pay and conditions. The state's Industrial Relations Commission had ordered the unit not to strike, but the Australian Nursing Federation decided to go ahead in defiance of its order. Federation Secretary Janet Ray spoke with Fairfax. Finding the ANF does nothing to improve the workload and conditions that nurses and midwives in WA are undertaking every day. We're um, changing tax slightly with looking at clauses within the EBA that we can alter to get that monetary figure that we need for the nurses and midwives. The British Medical Journal have published a global mortality analysis of 172 countries and territories, including Australia. The study has revealed that shortages of healthcare workers, such as doctors, nurses and midwifery staff, are strongly associated with higher death rates. It found that this is especially for certain diseases such as neglected tropical diseases and malaria, pregnancy and birth complications, diabetes and kidney disease. The findings highlight the importance of strengthening political commitment to develop equality-orientated health workforce policies, expanding health financing and introducing targeted measures to reduce deaths related to inadequate staffing. Younger people with bowel cancer symptoms may take 10 or more visits to a GP before finally being diagnosed due to age bias, experts say. People between the ages of 25 to 44 are more likely to be diagnosed with deadly diseases at their later stages as health professionals often have a lower suspicion of cancer when they are presented with symptoms in young people. A study led by Macquarie University's Australia Institute of Health Innovation found this often leads to missed diagnostic opportunities which can affect patient outcomes. Do you want your patients to get access to an aged care assessment faster? Why not make the switch to My Aged Care e-referrals? You can refer your patients to My Aged Care for an assessment directly from your practice management system. The solution is securely integrated by HealthLink Smartforms and is available at no cost for all medical director, best practice, Genie, MedTech Evolution and Shexi users nationwide. 
The e-referral system allows for fast and easy completion, ensures important information is included, lodges the referral immediately and securely with My Aged Care, and is then saved directly to your patient's file. Search online for My Aged Care Health Link and make the switch to e-referrals today. So with COVID nearly behind us, the big annual nursing conferences are finally making a comeback. And next month is no exception. APNA is holding the Festival of Nursing in Perth. It's a national nursing conference, supercharged. There'll be well-renowned speakers, interactive workshops, and engaging discussions that will provide valuable insights into the latest developments and changes in the nursing field. In addition to thought-provoking sessions, there are ample opportunities to network and socialize with fellow nursing professionals from diverse backgrounds and engage with exhibitors showcasing the latest products and services in the healthcare industry. Lead nurse educator at APNA, Suzanne Blackaby, is here to tell us all about the education that we can look forward to. So, Suzanne, welcome. Tell me about the Thursday Masterclasses at the 2023 Festival of Nursing. We are so excited about the range of masterclasses that we have this year. A lot of what we chose to present at the Festival of Nursing was informed by our nurses and our members during our roadshow events last year, where we travelled around the country. Um, it gave us an opportunity to really hear from nurses about what they needed for their continuing professional development and where their gaps were in learning. So, you know, we're at the back end of a pandemic. There's been lots of conversations about infection prevention and control in the spirometry and respiratory space. So this year we have the National Asthma Council presenting a full day spirometry workshop in the masterclasses. It's going to be fantastic. Another really interesting um, piece that we're doing this year that we haven't done before is some skin cancer practical work for nurses. This is an evolving space for nurses in primary healthcare and across all areas of nursing. Skin cancer recognition, referral and procedural um, information as well. And this is going to be down and dirty in the practical side. Yes, the pork belly will be there. The sutures and the knives and the scalpels and the punch biopsies will be there. So we're really excited about that one. And on another note, nurses' safety is really super important. Nurses often work alone in small teams, especially in those rural and remote parts of the country. Even when they're working in bigger teams or in hospital spaces, nurses see patients and their families on the worst days, right? When they're not feeling well, when there's drama, when emotions are high. And so this year we're presenting occupational violence and aggression training for nurses delivered by Resolution Education in the masterclasses to give nurses those skills that they need to recognise when they need to put in a few more safety precautions and to make sure that they're protected and safe at work. Well, they really sound great. What are some of the other masterclasses? Okay, so we've got a nurse practitioner masterclass. You know, the nurse practitioners need to do additional CPD, so that's going to be great. Chronic disease management, um, basic life support and medical emergencies, some end-of-life care and custodial nursing, progressing your career. Sensational. That sounds like a great day, Suzanne. So that's the first day of the festival wrapped and the Festival of Nursing will be running for three days. So what happens on Friday the 28th and Saturday the 29th of July? 
So nurses think outside the box, right? And so does APNA. So we're doing something different with the program this year. We have speed presentations. They're amazing. They're going to be abstract presentations from nurses and professionals around the country delivered through audio loop. Also, we've got a ton of concurrent sessions, everything from leadership to climate change nurses, to grief, to healthy ageing, to digital workforce, to fundamentals of wound care. Now, we're really excited. We've got Wounds Australia on board presenting four wound sessions over the program. That sounds like a massive action-packed few days. Thanks so much, Suzanne. And don't forget the party. There's always a party. So come meet us on Friday night, hang out, have a drink, and uh, tell us your story. Sensational. Thanks, Suzanne. The Festival of Nursing is on at the Perth Convention and Exhibition Centre from Thursday the 27th through to Saturday the 29th of July, and the Nursing Australia podcast will be there. So click on the link in the show notes of this episode or Google Festival of Nursing and grab your early bird ticket before they run out. The Festival of Nursing. It's a national nursing conference supercharged. You're invited to join hundreds of nurses from across the country at this one-of-a-kind nursing conference in Perth this July. Whether you are a nurse practitioner, registered nurse, enrolled nurse or a nursing student or just curious about a career in health, the festival is designed to meet your professional needs. Come and join us for an unforgettable experience at the Festival of Nursing 2023. Google Festival of Nursing, or check out the link in the show notes of this episode now. So nurses know that My Health Record is a secure online summary of patient health information, which provides access to key health information. But not all healthcare providers have access to My Health Record information built into their clinical software systems. But the new My Health app provides consumers with secure and convenient access to their health information anywhere, anytime. I spoke with APNA's Digital Health Project Officer and Registered Nurse, Margaret Dempsey, to learn more about the My Health app. So welcome, Margaret. Welcome along to Nursing Australia. What is new in the My Health app? Well, the new My Health app, or My Health, is an Australian digital health agency-owned and managed app which can be used to access key health information in My Health Record. So previously, consumers could access their My Health Record information by logging in and wading their way through the MyGov app and eventually finding the information that they need. So this new app, which is free to download, by the way, cuts out all those extra steps and brings My Health information directly to your fingertips. It's fantastic as it can be installed on a mobile phone and used to view information anywhere, anytime. So what sort of information can we expect to find on the My Health app? The My Health contains the same information that's included in a person's My Health record. The user-friendly home screen identifies 10 sections where information can be found, and they include medicines, so your list of prescribed medicines along with allergies and reactions immunisation information, including proof of vaccination statement, and also COVID-19 vaccination and COVID test results, which is often really handy to keep track of how many doses you've had and the dates that you've had them. There's also information about scans, so diagnostic imaging and x-ray results, and also pathology tests. There's a document section which contains shared health summaries and event summaries, and hospital visit section includes discharge summaries. 
And there's also a spot there for advanced care planning documents, which is visible if a consumer has uploaded these documents into their My Health record. And the final section is organ donor information, if a person's listed that information on the Australian Organ Donor Register. So how will patients or consumers benefit from having access to the new My Health technology, in a nutshell? There'll be great benefit for patients to be able to easily access their own health information. So My Health will be particularly useful for patients that are seeing healthcare providers that may currently not be able to access My Health record from their software. So, for example, many allied health providers or medical specialists may not currently be connected to the My Health Record system. So, patients visiting these providers will be able to provide health information at the time of the consultation, enabling more informed discussions and decisions to occur without delay. Another great example of use is for people who may require healthcare while travelling. And as we know, having a holiday is great but sometimes illness comes along for the ride and people need to seek healthcare while they're away. So My Health is the perfect way for people to share their health information with healthcare providers who are unfamiliar to them and their healthcare needs. In these circumstances, if a person has to visit a GP or a hospital or perhaps a physiotherapist while they're away, the patient can open My Health app on their phone during the consultation and share any relevant health information that they wish to. And it's good to know that like for this reason, it's important that nurses, GPs and other healthcare providers keep their patients' information up to date in my health record. And there's a lot of really important and I guess sensitive information in there and cybersecurity is certainly on the radar at the moment. So what sort of security features are there in the My Health app? Well, Matt, the My Health app has been built with high-level security in mind. And in addition to the high-level security built into your mobile device, the My Health app requires you to set up your own six-digit PIN. Great. So what's the first step then in, in patients or consumers accessing My Health? So people wanting to access My Health on their mobile phone, they will need a MyGov account that's already linked to My Health record. And they will have need to have accessed My Health Record at least once through the desktop or web browser. The app can be downloaded by searching My Health Gov and just open the app, select Get Started, follow the prompts, and it's that simple. Great. And there will be uh, links in the show notes of this episode, which will give you links to downloading the app from your favourite app store. And finally, uh, Mug, what are the best ways for nurses or healthcare professionals to access clinical information that's contained in My Health Record? This is all really great information with the My Health app, but as healthcare providers, the best way for nurses to access My Health Record is still to access it through conformance software while you have the patient file open. However, the My Health app is beneficial for patients to be able to more easily and securely access information contained in their My Health record on the go, anywhere, anytime. So again, I say this is why it's important that nurses and other healthcare providers keep information up to date on the My Health record system by uploading relevant shared health summaries, event summaries into My Health record system. Thanks, Margaret. It sounds like the key message is accessing health information through the My Health app helps consumers engage with and be proactive, really, in, in their health by putting their health in their hands, literally. 
That's exactly right, Matt. It's fast, easy and secure. You can access health information and share it all from the palm of your hand. Well, thanks for joining me today, Margaret. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure, Matt. Thank you. So you can visit the Australian Digital Health Agency to learn more about connecting to my health at www.digitalhealth.gov.au forward slash my health. And if you'd like to check out a video which steps out the My Health app with APNA nurses Margaret Dempsey, who I just spoke to, and Jane Bolin, click on the link in the show notes on your favourite podcast listening platform now. Over the last 15 years, the LIFE program has helped over 75,000 Victorians improve their health to become the best versions of themselves. That's thousands of mindful nutrition habits created, countless hours of endorphin-boosting physical activity, and hundreds of smiles built from the inside out. Funded by the Victorian Government and managed by Diabetes Victoria, LIFE is the largest prevention program of its kind in Australia, and it's free. Visit lifeprogram.org.au or call 137475 to learn more. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice offered is general financial advice only and does not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Because of this, you should consider if the advice is appropriate before acting. Now, we're hearing more and more about the impact of scams and frauds on everyday Australians. If you think scams are nothing more than an annoying phone call that you either ignore or hang up on, you might be surprised to know that Australians are losing over $2 billion a year to scams. And behind that total, there are many individual stories of financial and emotional devastation. Joining us today on Nursing Australia is Michelle Oliver from the Fraud Department of Health Professionals Bank. She's here to help us learn how not to become one of the growing number of people living with the aftermath of being a victim to a scam. Welcome, Michelle. Thanks for having me, Matt. You're more than welcome. So, Michelle, I touched on the enormity of the issue, but could you explain to us how it has become so big? Surely something can be done about it at this stage. So a lot of people don't realise we're talking about organised crime. They tend to think of it as like an individual breaking into your house or stealing a credit card. But these are sophisticated, skilled, professional organisations intent on making money through fraud. They are also highly opportunistic and innovative. And unlike other businesses like ours and those of your listeners, criminals don't have to worry about things like regulation and compliance. They can try anything and that means it's a bit like a game of whack-a-mole. No sooner does one area get shut down than they've already popped up trying somewhere else. So to make it sound even scarier, I guess, like we'll never get on top of it and be insurmountable. Does that mean that we all have to worry that eventually we'll be caught up in something? Not at all. While we shouldn't be complacent rather than worry, I suggest getting informed and being vigilant, or as the saying goes, be alert, not alarmed. There are some good general practices you can put into place that will help you avoid some common setups and manipulations that trick people. Okay, so that sounds somewhat reassuring. So what should we be looking out for then? So there are a number of things, but being aware of ways in which scammers try to manipulate you, because manipulation of people's emotions is where scammers really excel. They know how to get you on the hook, whether it's because you're lonely or concerned about making money or losing money or just extremely law-abiding. Scammers have a range of techniques to get you to take the bait. They've even found ways to profit over your desire to avoid being scammed. They recognise all the different vulnerabilities and keep trying to use them to get a foot in the door. So talking about foot in the door, what does that mean exactly in this context and how serious is the risk if we give them an all in? 
Well, it means different things for different scams. For instance, in a romance or dating scam, a foot in the door means you start engaging with this stranger who strikes up a relationship to get money out of you. For an investment scam, it might mean starting the conversation about an investment opportunity. The risk is there, but until you hand over your money or personal details, it's easier to get out without any harm done. But say for a remote access scam, where you give access to your computer, it's not just a foot in the door. It's more like giving them the keys to your home, especially if you've saved all your passwords on your computer. They can see those. Some scammers are playing a long game, which may not be immediately obvious, whereas others are looking at a way to get in and get out quickly with whatever they can get. So I presume with the long game, the manipulation just continues? Absolutely. The aim of the game is to manipulate you and get people off balance so they aren't thinking clearly enough to recognise the risk. They have a lot of tricks like creating a sense of urgency. So for an investment or payment scam, if you don't do this today, you're going to lose money. Or for a romance or family scam, if you don't give money immediately, there will be a dire consequence for someone you care about. Or they choose moments where they know you will be distracted and more vulnerable. Anything that stops you thinking clearly, they know that works in their favour, not yours. Their aim is to get you making quick, rushed, emotionally charged decisions. I can't reinforce enough the importance of not giving into demands or requests immediately. Take a moment, walk away, call a trusted friend or family member or a professional advisor. Check some websites including Scamwatch or cyber.gov.au. And that sounds like a great rule of thumb, Michelle. That would serve us all really well. We're hearing more and more about emails and messages where there's no real human interaction per se. What should we be on the lookout for there? Great point, Matt. There's a lot of phishing and spoofing scams. So spoofing means it look it, it, they make it look like it's coming from a provider or someone you've been dealing with to gain your sharing banking or personal details that will allow scammers to access your accounts and clear out your money. Phishing is where you get spoofed or a fake communication pretending to be from someone like your bank or the ATO, asking you to provide sensitive personal data that will be used to access your account or steal your identity. The messages can be linked to a spoof website or an incorrect number to call. Always be vigilant about the links you're asked to click on. If your bank or another organisation is asking you to provide or verify data, access your account directly rather than through a link. You can also look at things like hovering over a link to see what the underlying address is and look for addresses that don't match or have a slight discrepancy from the standard address. Spelling errors and grammar errors can be another giveaway as can addressing you differently than in other standard correspondence. But some scammers are so sophisticated now, they've stopped making the obvious errors. So if in doubt, don't respond to the message. Find an alternative way to contact the purported sender using a verified and reputable contact method, not from the email, and then ask a company representative about the email. So Michelle, as well as having money stolen, we're also increasingly hearing about identity theft. How much of a threat is that really? Uh, at the moment, it's a really big one, Matt. Having your identity stolen can have legal and financial repercussions for years to come. You can end up being chased for debts that isn't yours. You may struggle to get a home loan or a credit card because of the impact on your credit score. Your data and identity is a really precious commodity, especially in this digital age. Make sure you protect the privacy of your personal information in terms of physical documents, digital passwords and accounts, and be really aware of what you are sharing on social media because there are scammers out there trawling those sites for personal data they can use against you. 
this entire area is fascinating and we could talk about it for hours. Uh, unfortunately, we will have to leave it there for the purposes of today's podcast. But if you could summarise just a few tips and tricks, Michelle, what would they be? So my top tips are question everything. If something sounds too good to be true, it probably is. If anyone is insisting you buy and send gift cards as a payment of some kind, even an SMS from your boss, be highly suspicious. Use your credit card for purchases or payment platforms like PayPal that offer protections. The good thing about credit card or your Visa debit card is those particular companies have chargeback rules that we can use. Whereas if you give someone your BSBN account number or make a payment out of your account, it's much harder to get that money back. Create a secret code word with your family. If they ever need to ask you for urgent financial help, you can ask for that magic word. If they can't give it to you or argue about it, then you know it's not them at the end of the message. Protect the privacy of your personal information, both physical and digital. Your data has monetary value to criminals. If someone is pressuring you to make a quick decision or if someone is manipulating you through pleas for immediate help, don't do anything immediately. Take a moment, walk away, call a trusted friend or family or your bank or professional advisor. Check websites, including some of the great government scam information sites. And if the worst does happen and your financial details have been compromised, call your bank immediately. Awesome. Thanks, Michelle. I really appreciate your time and your sage advice. Thanks for visiting us on Nursing Australia. No worries. Thank you very much. It takes a lot to care for people, but it certainly has its rewards, as does being a member of a bank that takes care of you. To find out more, search Health Professionals Bank. Membership, responsible lending criteria and terms and conditions apply. Health Professionals Bank is a division of Teachers Mutual Bank Limited. ABN 30087650459. AFSL Australian Credit Licence 238981. Thank you to all those who contributed to this June episode of the Nurse in Australia podcast, Behind the Screens. If you are listening to Nurse in Australia right now on Apple or Google Podcasts, please don't forget to tap the subscribe button. And for Spotify listeners, click to follow. The more followers, the more subscribers, the more people can be up with the latest in healthcare in Australia. I'm Matthew St. Ledger. Thank you so much for supporting Nurse in Australia as always. And a quick nod to our episode sponsors. The Life Program is a free Victorian lifestyle modification program that helps reduce your patient's risk of developing type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular disease. The program is delivered by accredited health professionals and helps people improve their eating habits, physical activity and stress management. There is a financial incentive available for medical practices that refer into the program. The LIFE program is funded by the Victorian government and managed by Diabetes Victoria. Visit lifeprogram.org.au for more information. Thanks for listening to Nursing Australia.